If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Hey, it's Rachel Cook, your modern mentor. And today, I'm so excited to bring you an interview with best-selling author Gay Hendricks, whose newest book, The Genius Zone, The Breakthrough Process to End Negative Thinking and Live in True Creativity, is chock-full of actionable advice on how to unlock our best creative selves. I hope you take away some inspiration and a commitment to action from my conversation with Gay. Gay Hendricks, author of The Genius Zone. What an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Modern Mentor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's my pleasure to be here. You were the author, you are the author of The Big Leap, which made a big splash um, when that came out. And The Genius Zone is your follow-up to that book. Is that right? Yes, it's a sequel. It's kind of the uh, whipped cream and cherry on top of the uh, ice cream sundae. I mean, I love whipped cream and cherries and ice cream. <laughs> they they go beautifully together. So tell me a little bit about The Genius Zone, how it came about for you, and, and what prompted you to write it now? I got to thinking, there's one other kind of thing I wanted to, the, the, the maraschino cherry that I wanted to put on top of The Big Leap, which was the two big concepts that are in The Genius Zone. One of them is how to spot the, what I call genius moments, those everyday moments when you can jump directly into your genius zone. And so that's one of the big things in uh, the new book. And the second big thing is has to do with how to live in your genius zone, how to make the little self-corrections that will keep you from kind of falling over into the ditch. The Big Leap showed how to get into the genius zone, how to overcome the upper limit problem and map out what your particular zone of genius is. The new book is all about enhancing the amount of time you can spend there and how to grab hold of the little moments of the day that offer you the opportunity to jump into the genius zone. So the big leap was about two big things, the upper limit problem and the zone of genius. And the new book is about two big things too, the genius moment and what I call the genius move. Here's the thing that everybody needs to know, that throughout your day, you're getting little opportunities to do big things, to make big leaps. And oddly enough, the opportunities are probably not what you think they are. 
the best opportunities every day for you to get into your genius zone come actually from those moments when you get stuck or you don't know how to solve a particular problem. Because here's what the new book shows you very clearly. Anytime you get stuck, it's because you're trying to control something that's not within your power to control. One of the oldest principles that human beings have come from way back a couple of thousand years ago, a philosopher named Epictetus. His his main teaching was the secret of happiness is knowing that there are some things you can control and some things you cannot control. Now, today we hear that in the serenity prayer every day that um, Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs have. But Epictetus, that was the whole That was kind of the root of his teaching, that if you can cultivate the art of letting go of trying to control things that aren't actually controllable by you, you open up this tremendous creative space, and it's the same thing I call your genius zone. So what keeps us out of the genius zone is trying to control things that we can't control. So the pathway to the genius zone, interestingly enough, is not through perfection, it's through messing up. Focus on something you can't control is a good way to keep the problem from getting solved. And one thing I've discovered is that many human beings on this planet, including me in a, in a former time, are unconsciously committed to suffering. We have an unconscious intention to create suffering in situations. And as soon as we can acknowledge that, we can do something about it. Oftentimes, I ask people to make a certain specific commitment, and the commitment goes like this. I commit to spending more and more of my time in my genius zone every day. It's a general all-purpose commitment to moving toward your genius in a systematic way every day. I'm going to take a stance on behalf of my audience and say, okay, I'll speak for them and I'll say, yep, they're ready to commit. They want to be in their genius zone more time tomorrow than today and more time the next day after that. How do they do it? How do they find it? Well, first of all, commitment is the key first step in anything. So I want to just underline the power of commitment. Without it, there really isn't anything. And when I talk about commitment, I'm talking about a a connection of heart, mind, and spirit. You need a clarity in your mind to know where you're going, but you really need a lot of heart in a commitment area because only a heartfelt, sincere commitment will make things begin to happen. Second thing is to really look at how you limit yourself. You know, in The Big Leap is a lot about how to spot the upper limit problem, that tendency to punish ourselves when things start going better or to trip ourselves up when we're reaching top speed or to mess up somehow when we're just about to be on the realm of success. I've had that same thing happen many times in my life, but you just have to keep bouncing back from it. I think that there is something very real to be said about the power of resilience and the power of asking yourself, you know, what is a fact and what is your interpretation of the fact? I think what I'm taking from this, and and don't let me put words in your mouth, is that 
creativity is not always a lightning bolt and it's not always a eureka moment. Sometimes it is continuing to hustle through the hard moments and persevere. And the thing that is creativity doesn't actually show itself until we're on the other side of that that hustle and that grind. It's really true. And also, um, I was a big fan of Stephen King's book called On Writing, where he talks about his creative writing process and kind of rules of writing. And one of the things he says is, you don't really become a writer until you're staring at the page completely stuck, thinking, there's no way I can possibly do this. You know, and that's where you suddenly get, and I, you know, I've written now, I'm coming up on uh, 50 books, and every book I write, I get to a place about two thirds of the way through it where I say, well, I'm going to just have to can this project. I cannot, I don't have the skills to go where I need to go to, to finish this book. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we're, we're in this very interesting moment right now. So we're coming up on the end of 2021, and we are still in the midst of something that a lot of people are referring to as the Great Resignation. People have been through a lot in the past 18 plus months at this point. Um, a lot of people are kind of stopping, they're pausing, they're reflecting. People are starting to leave jobs without necessarily a plan or a next step. They just know they've had enough. And so I can say in my life, in my practice, and in my business, I feel like I'm having more and more conversations with people who are really in a place of feeling like, though they're not saying it this way, to borrow your lexicon, what they're saying is, I want to I want my next move to be something that leaves me in my zone of genius. I want to feel like I'm doing something that I'm great at, something that I'm passionate about, something that feels purposeful for me. And so I want to hear what's the next step. So you have to absolutely make the commitment. You have to be willing to let go of your limiting beliefs and you have to be ready to tap into that perseverance and that ability to just keep on going. How do you know what your calling is? How do you find that genius? The biggest question is, what do I love doing more than anything else? Like even if you start with the, the time you spend, quote, working every day, whatever, eight to five or whatever period of time you spend working, in that period of time, what is something that I absolutely love to do so that if I were doing that all the time, my time would disappear, eight hours would go by, whoosh like in Einstein's great example of the theory of relativity, he, uh, he was asked to explain the theory of relativity to a 14-year-old, I think it was, and he said, it goes like this. An hour with your beloved goes by like a minute, but a minute sitting on a hot stove goes by like an hour. Let's talk about creativity. I know in your book, you talk about ordinary creativity versus true creativity. And I would love it if you could break that down for us a little bit, for somebody who's trying to be a little bit more creative in their day job. Well, I make a distinction between those two things, uh, ordinary creativity and true creativity, because a lot of us are using our creativity, but we're using it in service of someone else's goals. True creativity is when you are serving your own genius, where you figured out what your contribution to the world is and what you're going to do to make that contribution. See, to me, genius is made up of a coming together of what you love to do 
and what will make your biggest contribution to the world around you. To me, genius isn't big fun unless you're using it to serve the world or to serve your, the people around you in your community or to, you know, to make some kind of difference in the world. That's where I've in, in, experienced the biggest joys in my life. And the question is, what do I most love to do? In fact, we ask them to make a little hum sound like, hmm, what do I most love to do? And then three easy breaths, just to give your mind time to kind of think about that and consider the question. So that it's the emphasis on the question, the wondering about it, not on getting the answer. The answers will come, but what keeps us out of the zone of our genius a lot of times is being locked in our habitual way of thinking and not cultivating wonder. To me, wonder is one of the greatest human gifts. The ability, hmm, what do I need in my life more than anything else? I'm curious if you have seen people have success with those moments of wonder, those wonder questions in the workplace, if let's say you are really wanting to apply for that promotion, but you're worried you're not qualified. Is that the type of situation in which that wonder question might be able to serve you? Yes. The problem oftentimes is we do more and more of what already isn't working. We feel like we're maybe in a relationship, we're not pleasing the other person. So we do more and more of what already wasn't working that didn't please them. So one moment of wonder can really solve that. Einstein, in his notebook, said that he wondered about a particular problem in physics for 27 years straight on a daily basis. He wondered about this. And boy, imagine the moment of finally figuring it out. <sighs> wow. You know, <laughs> but... I think uh, we need to include dedicated, sincere wondering because it's one of the greatest superpowers human beings have. It's almost like the blend of the art and the science. So you do have to open up your mind, open up your heart, allow your intuition to speak to you. And also you've got to do the work and you've got to take action and you have to be realistic and reasonable. Um, and when you, and I think what happens in a lot of, cases, at least what I see happening is that we have a tendency to let ourselves get so busy and so overwhelmed and we're drowning in task lists and to-do lists and our calendars and there's no time for wonder. And then maybe if we manage to give ourselves the gift of a moment of wonder, we do that when we're exhausted and we're not interested in doing the work. We just want the magic to happen. And I think that there is something in marrying the willingness to just sit in wonder while we have enough energy to maybe do something with the wisdom of our intuition. Maybe that is the moment that moves us into our genius zone. So I would love, Gay, if you would talk a little bit about this idea that you cover in your book of these unproductive obsessions that we have. What are they? How do they hold us back? And how should we think differently about them? Yes, well, the mind is an amazing instrument, but uh, as you well know, it can also be a, a torture implement as well as an instrument of great uh, creativity. And one of the ways we torture ourselves mentally is by focusing on things like the past, which we have absolutely no ability to control. And 
So you have to ask yourself, okay, since even the thickest of us could probably figure out that we have no control over the past, why do we go around obsessing about it all the time? Well, one of the reasons is incompletion, that there's something incomplete, an incomplete conversation with somebody or an incomplete experience where we haven't allowed ourselves to feel the grief of a certain moment or the anger about a certain issue or the fear. So incompletions oftentimes kind of leave the seeds for future obsessions because we keep thinking oftentimes in an attempt to complete something in the past that actually something could be done about in the present. For example, if you're obsessing about something in the past, something in the present you could do is to actually write it down, to take it out of your mind and put it over here on a piece of paper. There's a great bunch of psychological research by a professor named James Pennebaker that even writing down for journaling for 15 minutes a day can actually improve your physical health. Um, It was fascinating. He had a group of people just sit down and write 15 minutes a day about the worst thing that happened in their life. They did that four days in a row, 15 minutes a day. So a total of an hour but spread over four days. Then he tracked those people over the next year and found that they had significantly fewer visits to the doctor and fewer sick days. Isn't that amazing that you could just do something for that little amount of time that would have that big an effect on your health? And gosh, that's so true. I've seen that up close and personal hundreds of times in therapy work with people over the years, that there's something they really need to bring forth from themselves. Sometimes it's a confession about something they did, or sometimes it's a a deep wound, or sometimes it's a a book that they've got to write or something they've got to do creatively. But whatever it is, once they get busy doing it, their whole life changes. They look different. They feel different. They Um, they have fewer sick days simply because they're bringing forth that creative element of themselves that I think we all have a sacred duty to tap into and bring forth. Especially right now, you know, again, at this moment in the latter part of 2021, we have all just been through so much collectively, individually. And I think a lot of people are still carrying experiences, maybe trauma, maybe anxiety, whatever it looks like for them that are, they're heavy. They take up emotional space. They take up intellectual space. And I think there's something very powerful in finding ways to let that go, whether it's journaling, which is a practice I've definitely picked up, whether it is finding a friend or family member to confide in, whether it's going on long walks and talking to yourself. I think there's something powerful about freeing up the emotional space that you need that will allow you to be more creative once you've let go. Yes. And I think anything we can do on a daily systematic basis, like I'm a daily meditator. I learned to meditate way back when I was in graduate school 50 years ago now. And something I do every day because it creates a clear space twice a day in my mind. Some people use exercise, um, you know, writing, poetry, those kinds of things, music. I think anything that you can do that's kind of a a gift to your own creativity, something that you you do just to nurture your own creativity. I think that's the the key thing. 
So Gay, one of the things I really enjoyed about your book is that you spend a lot of time sort of up in the intellectual space in a bit of a cerebral place and you talk about almost spiritual practices, but then you also have a number of activities strewn throughout your book. They are very tangible. They are very go do this thing and then come back and continue reading. And, you know, for anybody who's interested, I I do think you want to pick up a copy of the book because you want to follow all of the activities in sequence. But I wonder if there are a couple of activities, maybe one or two that stand out for you as um, if if somebody isn't going to pick up the book right now, but there's an action that they can take. Is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners? Yes. One thing I'd like to return to that really is crucial is the power of commitment. And I want to show you a couple of things that are important that you can do right now that have that will have an effect, a positive effect on your ability to bring forth your genius. Commitment is super important because, like the old saying goes, if, if you don't know where you're going, chances are you'll end up someplace you don't want to be. And so it's important to make a commitment to where you want to go. And so that's why I suggest that everybody use this kind of generic commitment about I commit to bringing forth more and more of my genius every day of my life because it puts you on the right track. It gives you a place to come home to in that commitment. Another thing I want to say about commitment is that commitment comes from two Latin words that means to bring together your resources and set forth. C-O-M, come, and mittery have to do with bringing together and setting forth. And so marshalling your resources is a key first step in commitment. And then setting forth is another crucial step. So I want to break it down into two steps, the act of commitment, because the first one is often overlooked, and that's the marshalling of resources. And so what I suggest is that each of us think of our genius as being kind of like a symphony, a whole bunch of different parts playing together, that it's not just one thing, that it's a symphony of things that are coming into harmony and coming into better unity with each other. And the value of thinking of it like that is that all of us are complex beings, As our great poet Walt Whitman says, I am large and contain multitudes. We are all large and contain multitudes. And so if we think of our genius as a big symphony of a number of different parts playing together, I think that's an easier type of commitment to make because it's not committing to some one particular thing because genius isn't that. A lot of times when we think of genius, we think of a singer with a guitar. They're doing something fabulous, okay, or a flute player or something like that. But actually, genius for most of us is not made up of a singular skill like that. It's a way of going about things. It's a way of going about whatever you're doing, whether you're making a soup or writing a poem. It's the act of going about it with a kind of sincere dedication to bringing forth the very best of yourself. And that way, if you think of yourself kind of as the conductor of a symphony, that's a good way to think about your genius, because then your job is to bring out the essence of what the, all the musicians are doing. 
you're not necessarily playing any individual instrument, but you're bringing forth the beauty of all of them. I like that better because it, then it takes us out of the idea of that our genius is supposed to be about playing a guitar really well or playing. It's really about playing life really well with an open heart and a commitment to bringing forth the very best of yourself and the very best of people around you. Wow, what a lovely metaphor, the genius as a symphony. What I take away from that is that each person's genius is totally unique. And therefore, comparing yours to somebody else's is time and energy spent in vain because there isn't better or worse when there's really just different. Yeah, that's another one of those things that we don't have any control over is how other people think and feel about us. And if we sit around worrying about that, we're missing the opportunity to actually do something in this moment that might affect the quality of their affection toward us. Wow. I want to thank you for the gift of your time and your genius here today on The Modern Mentor. It was an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for the work you're doing. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. For more good stuff, pick up a copy of The Genius Zone, The Breakthrough Process to End Negative Thinking and Live in True Creativity by Gay Hendricks. Follow Modern Mentor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out my website at leadabovenoise.com or follow me on the Modern Mentor podcast page on LinkedIn. Join me back here next week for another great episode. Thanks again so much for listening and have a successful week. Modern Mentor is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Dan Firebend with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. And our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.